You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. It was a 23-yard shot, and uh, I, I think it was like an inch and a half. It rained again, so it washed all of the blood that we had away. And we went in there that evening, went a pretty good ways. I was curious where I, if I just got one long or what I hit. And when we uh, when we gutted him, we we found both the hunt, both holes and both longs. So he was double long and still went 400 yards on the ground with a decoy. Can you tell me about that hunt? That one was really fun to watch. The main reason that I was bringing that decoy was because I knew that he liked to fight. So whenever he stepped out uh, that evening, I knew right then and there uh, if we could get him upset and, and, and pissed off, uh, we were going to be able to get him to come. And On episode 83 of the Hunters Advantage podcast, we're joined by Brandon Quant of Killing It. He's a video creator on YouTube and TikTok. Make sure to check him out and let's get into the podcast. Everybody, uh, thanks for coming back to the podcast. This is Hunter's Advantage Podcast, episode number 83. Today, we're joined by Brandon Quant of Killing It. How's it going, man? Good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Can't complain. Um, you're in Illinois, right? Yep. Southern Illinois, uh, about an hour and a half, two hours east of St. Louis, about uh, straight across. Okay, cool. Did you grow up in Illinois? Yep, been here my entire life. I was actually I was adopted when I was super young. I was three months old. Uh, was adopted by my parents, and ever since then, been in Southern Illinois. Oh, that's awesome. I was I was looking at your Instagram before. Um, I think it was yesterday. Are you are you a farmer? Yeah, yeah, really full time farmer. Yep. That's is that what your family's always done or what? Yep. So, uh, uh fourth generation uh, i believe is what i am and uh we've always been a row crop farmers uh corn soybeans wheat and uh we also sell my dad is a pioneer seed, seeds rep so he sells pioneer seed as well so big into the farm industry that's got to be really helpful for someone that loves to to chase whitetail yeah yeah it definitely helps especially uh knowing how to grow things and having the equipment for food plots and stuff like that it definitely is a big help yeah, well, man, I found out about you, like similar to what you were saying about the Whitetail Legacy podcast. I saw some of your content on TikTok and I really liked, I loved the the storytelling style that you had in your videos. I think I saw, um, it was the one where you shot an, an eight point out of, out of one of your stands and it was really cool. How long have you been, have you been filming content for YouTube and TikTok? Um, so I have been filming on and off. Like I really started getting serious, uh, this past year, this past hunting season, but I had picked up uh, like a Canon G40, uh, like four or five years ago. And I was like, man, I, I'd like to, I'd like to start filming hunts. Me and my dad, we were going our separate, like he was hunting one spot. I was hunting another spot. We weren't ever hardly together anymore. And it was just really always like intrigued me to be able to come back and share my hunt and just share my experience, you know? And cause I, I told the other guys, I said, I don't know how many times countless times that I've come back home after a, an amazing hunt and said, man, you should have seen the hunt that I had tonight. So I, that was really what motivated me to start filming my hunts. And when I got set up with that Canon G40, it was, it was a mess. I didn't know what I was doing really. I, I had a lot of stuff to carry in, you know, it was hard to set up uh, fourth arrow 
has definitely came a long way and has helped the process with some of the like new shoulders and stuff and their light arms. But at first I, I absolutely hated it. I, I kind of got out of it just because it was so much work, but uh, some of my friends, we always, always kind of dreamed about having our own kind of hunting content and stuff like that. So it kind of motivated me, motivated me to get into it again. And uh, last spring uh, I decided to get a better camera and I said, well, if we're going to do it, let's really try to do it and see what happens and where it goes from there. So spring of 2021, that turkey season was really our first go at really trying to put content out and make something out of it instead of just filming for, you know, my family and friends. And uh, turkey season was tough. Uh, I tried to, we, we, we don't like to sit in a blind really. And just with a bow, we like to we like to run and gun and call and, and, and use decoys quite a bit and try to stock up on turkeys. We think that's a lot funner to do it that way. And there's nothing wrong with sitting in a blind either, but just for the thrill of it and just enjoying chasing turkeys, it's something different than deer hunting, you know, sitting and waiting on a deer. Yeah. Uh, we, we tried to do that a bunch with a bow and getting it on film was tough. And we, we got some really good footage. Uh, we never did uh, get a turkey uh, on film, but it was a good learning experience to head into hunting season and that eight pointer that you were talking about on my TikTok was actually the first uh, deer that I'd ever gotten on film uh, for, for making content for ourselves. So that was, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, it looks like you've been filming a lot longer or at least it looks like you've got several deer kills shots on footage. When I saw that one, it's, it's crazy to hear that's your first one, but I totally relate to you saying, giving it up about all of the, having to drag all the stuff in the woods. I mean, we hunt a ton of public land and it's like, I got to leave 30 minutes before any of my other friends that don't film. And I'm like, dude, I got like a eight piece, eight pieces of equipment. If you're running a second angle camera too, it's another, yeah. it's another arm or at least attaching it to your other camera arm. So it's, it, it is a, it's a lot of work to film and especially to do it the right way and be committed to it. It makes it adds a lot of steps to the process. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, we, I switched to some of the fourth arrow camera shoulders and I was running the bigger shoulder went back a few years ago and their new shoulder that's real light. I don't remember what it's called, but it's just like a one piece. It, it's, it's a one piece ratchet strap and it's pretty sturdy. And uh, it runs my mirrorless camera with a 28 to 200 lens. Perfect. So definitely having some more updated equipment is, has been a huge help too. Yeah. Are you running a Sony camera? Yeah. Uh, Sony A7S III. Okay. Um, so it's funny little backstory. I, uh, so we obviously, we film hunting videos and stuff for TikTok, YouTube, but I went and shot a, a wedding, a couple weddings last weekend. And my, when my friends run a video production company, mostly they do wedding videos. And I shot my first, um, I guess my first content was the wedding on that Sony AS7 III, um, like you have. And I was, as soon as I left the weddings, I was like, I'm getting this camera. <laughs> the autofocus, the quality, being able to shoot 4K at 120 FPS. I was like, this camera is insane. I love yeah. that thing. It's awesome. And one of the big things for me was being a hunter, you know, uh, that sensor that it has in it to get the low light capabilities that it has. And one of my other buddies is like, man, this thing can almost pretty much see in the dark. And it, and when you crank that ISO way up, I mean, it does get a little grainy, but I could see deer out in, in, in the middle of a field that I couldn't even see with my real eyes. So it was, it's, it's a big step that I was, I looked through a lot of different cameras and before I made a choice and where I wanted to go with this, I know a lot of people like to shoot, uh, with the, with the cannons as well, but, uh, it wasn't an easy choice. I I'm, 
I knew I wanted an upgrade from that Canon G40, and I never used a mirrorless or a DSLR before, so I was kind of new to the thing. So I did a ton of homework on it and just watched countless videos. And every video I, I went to was kind of pointing me towards that A7S III, and uh, not for photo wise, and which is not really what I was wanting it for either, because I, I think it only has like a 12 megapixel camera. Mm -hmm. But uh, for video wise, it that was it was tough to beat that one. So. No, I agree. I have the uh, I have the Panasonic GH5, and it's a micro four thirds. And one of the issues on it is like, since it has that smaller sensor, uh, it's not as good in low light, and it basically doubles the aperture every time you use it. So it's it's not good in low light. It doesn't have like good depth of field because the aperture is not low enough. And so I want to upgrade to that Sony really really bad. It is a with the body and and the lens, it is an investment, though. Yeah, it definitely is. You have to really be committed to the content. And I'm, uh, I was talking to my wife. I was like, you know, if I really commit to the content this summer, I'm gonna save up a bunch of money and I'm gonna buy that camera. Yeah, I, it, it's a hundred percent worth it. I can't tell you anything that I really don't like about it at all. I mean, it's made it's it's just some of the shots that we've been able to get with it. Just the way that it looks, it's just like it's second to none. So. Yeah, I always know when someone's shooting on a Sony because I see that it's like it's it's not a LUT, but it's just like how the camera produces the colors and everything. I'm like that. That's a Sony that looks just like a Sony. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's good for someone kind of that doesn't know. I One of my best friends was running the camera on the second buck that I killed this year, and and he practiced with it during turkey season as well. And it's nice that it's kind of user friendly. I was able to just keep it on a manual uh a manual focus and then uh it had like a, it's got an af button so like it had a square in the center of the screen i said if it's not in focus just point that square at whatever you want it to be in focus at and hit that button and spam that button and it'll it'll eventually get in focus so it was nice that he was able to pick it up and use it after not using it uh for a while yeah there's some autofocus like autofocus tracking ability on that thing that's insane and you can also put it in manual focus and press something and it'll go in autofocus, focus in on that. And then it'll go back to manual focus. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. dude, this thing it's, and it's like a three-year-old camera already, but it's still in, insane. Like it's leaps and bounds above anything for video that I've found. Yeah, for sure. So we talked about, well, it looked, I guess I could preface here. It looked like you had an awesome 2021, at least um, in terms of deer. Yeah. Yeah. What, what um, can you, what can you tell me about that hunt that, uh, for that eight point that you said that was the first buck you ever got on film? How did that end up playing out? So, uh, actually that, that was actually my number one target buck coming into the season. Um, we had another big six pointer that we were after that we, and I never did, I was hunting the year before I never did get an opportunity to, at him. And, uh, looking back at pictures from the last year, there was a, a few pictures, it was hard to really tell. There was a buck the previous year that kind of looked like the deer that I was hunting, but I, I thought he was going to be a little bit bigger. He kind of was the same size last year if it was the same deer. And uh, so not too much history with that deer really, other than uh, the year that I did hunt him. I, I think he was around. I just I just can't really pinpoint what deer it was. I don't, I don't know why. I was just having trouble with trail cam pictures of finding what deer that was from the previous year. But um he was always uh, in the food plot. I had some food plot pictures of him in the daylight. And uh, every time I went in, I don't know whether uh, 
he just had that weird sixth sense about him and he knew that I was in there or if he was seeing me in there. But we try to we try to plan our food plots where we have this a big Egyptian wheat uh, as a plot screen. So when we walk into our food plots to get in to our stand or our blind, the access to it is really great. So I was, I was having a hard time believing he was really seeing me enter the the blind, but uh, he would always avoid it whenever I was in there. So I decided to take the saddle in and hunt kind of off the edge. And, uh, and I did that a couple of times. And one of the first nights that I set off the edge, I actually seen him in that cornfield, uh, that I ended up killing him in, but he was, uh, about 150 yards away and he never did come in before, uh, it was dark. So I ended up sitting there a couple more times and, uh, it was rainy. Uh, and that was one of the things that I was most disappointed about, uh, that film was I didn't get any like pre- role of him coming in he kind of just snuck up on me and he was at like five or seven yards before i even knew he was there uh it was real wet it was kind of kind of windy and uh, the next thing i i knew he was already underneath me so i just turned flipped the camera on and just angled it the way i thought he was going to and uh, he ended up going like perfect (laughs) perfect right out to where i thought he was going to and it was a 23 yard shot and uh we got it done it rained that night again uh i I think it was like an inch and a half it rained again so Mm. it washed all the blood that we had away and we went in there that evening it was uh (laughs) it was my son i told him we was going to take him trick-or-treating that night so i had to take him trick-or-treating first and by the time we got back home from trick-or-treating it 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 already started raining pretty good so there was no blood but after looking at the shot on the video I was like, that deer's got to be dead. And I thought he would be pretty close in there. We'd be able to go in there with a few guys and find him. And that wasn't the case. And uh, after that, he'd actually doubled back and went a totally different direction that we thought he did. And we had to call the dog in later that afternoon, the next day. And the dog was able to pick the scent up and find him. And, and he had went probably, I'd say 250, or he went 250 yards back the opposite way. I'd say 400 yards total uh, with two holes in his lungs when we, uh, when we gutted him, uh, we were real careful on, cause I was curious on how, cause he went a pretty good ways. I was curious where, I, if I just got one long or what I hit. And when we, uh, when we gutted him, we, we found both the hunt, both holes and both lungs. So he was double longed and still went 400 yards. So it was pretty incredible. That is, they're such tough animals. I mean, did, was that deer quartering away when you shot him at all? Or was he directly broadside? He was slightly quartered. Okay, because when I was when I watched the the footage on YouTube, it almost looked like it would have been liver and one lung. So yeah. it's, a, it's a little surprising that it was that it was double lung. Yep, it was holes in both lungs, and uh, we look we didn't I didn't see anything. I guess it just caught the back of that it caught the back of that lung, and did I didn't see anything in the liver or anything like that, which is what maybe when after that night when we didn't find him, that's kind of what we were thinking too. Is it he? maybe it was a liver and one lung and we went in there too soon and he still had some life left in him and we pushed him but he uh he he went pretty far for (laughs) having two holes through his lungs yeah that always that always worries me i mean i liver shot a buck this year and we walked up on him still alive and i shot him two more times and double lunged him on the last time and he still jumped up and ran another like 150 yards and i was like dude these these animals are their will to live is like nothing yeah. I've ever seen. Yep. They just, even, even does like you, you shoot a doe. They just, 
I've watched them ran, run off, just leaking out both sides, and you're like, how far is it going to run? <laughs> I know. I know it. Well, you uh, you had another really cool video that you produced, and I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier, um, that big typical 12 that you shot um, on the ground with a decoy. Can you tell me about that hunt? That one was really fun to watch. Yeah. So like I said, that, that eight-pointer was my number one target buck. So that typical 12, I'd had history with him for three years, but he's always always come on our side. It was after dark. It was late in the season. Uh, never really very often was he on our side of the of the property line. He, he was on the neighbors quite a bit. And then <clears throat> actually about a mile away from where I was getting him, pictures of him is where i spotted him uh after i'd shot my eight pointer i was i was looking for another buck to hunt uh it was kind of been slow uh cameras were slow so i decided that i was good i'd like to drive around of an evening and just try to find something and spot something that maybe was in a different area than i set up on it and i happened to run into that typical 12 and once again he was on the neighbor's uh side but uh, we we on ground on the other side of the road that was kind of like a fence row wasn't too much timber, but um, there was weed on both sides. So I knew probably he was probably working on it. So I threw up a couple cameras on our side and um, sure enough, he, he was in there, but it was always after dark. And that was, <clears throat> that was about a mile, I'd say close to a mile from where I ended up killing him. And I hunted in there after him and kept getting pictures of him uh, after dark. And then uh, never in the daylight, never did see him out of the stand there. I, I, I was hunting out of my saddle out of that fence row again. And then, uh, one evening <clears throat> my cousin was driving around and just happened to happen to drive by another cornfield, uh, that was a mile away. And he's like, I pretty sure I seen the typical 12 out pushing does with another buck. And, um, I sent him a trail camp picture and I'm like, and he's like, yeah, that, that had to be him. And it was a mile away. And, and so, uh, I was able to go out there the first night uh, by myself. Uh, this was the night after he had seen him cause I knew he was in the area. So I knew I had to get him in there pretty quick. And, um, uh, I tried self-filming and I had the decoy with me and I, I had a buck come in chasing a doe. It was a three and a half year old. It wasn't very big, but, uh, I realized pretty quick it was going to be hard to do by myself. So, uh, the next day I asked one of my best friends to come with me and, uh, and film. So it make it, Cause I knew that if that deer was pushing does, uh, odds are he was going to be in the area. A lot of deer came out in that cornfield and, and were eaten. So I knew he had, there's a pretty good shot that he was still in the area. And, uh, years past, I forgot to mention this, that, uh, every year that I had trail cam pictures of that deer before he had broken off tines, uh, in 2019, he had broke off half of his main beam. So my dad said that if we were ever going to kill that deer on our side of the property, that it was going to be calling him in and getting him ready for a fight and uh so i knew that he was a, an aggressive deer so that kind of helped going into the hunt and uh that's that's the main reason that i was bringing that decoy was because i knew that he liked to fight so whenever he stepped out uh that evening i knew right then and there uh, i if we could get him upset and 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 pissed off uh we were gonna <laughs> be able to get him to come and i he was about 200 yards when it when we first saw him and i kind of creep my way up we were kind of in a little draw in a waterway but we could see over that draw and 
I'd say if I stood up, he would probably be able to see like half of my body from where we were. So I kind of went up on the edge of that, that little brink of the hill and put that decoy up. And uh, it was pretty, it was pretty windy. I'd say 12, 15 out, 12, 15 mile an hour winds. And I just snort wheezed as loud as I possibly could. And his head threw up, he threw his head up and uh, I did it again. And then I, I knew that I knew I had got his attention and then he started to trot our way. And then, uh, he got, he got pretty close. Uh, I'd say I ranged him at 55 yards. He was kind of, he was trying to try to get downwind of us is what he was trying to do. And I kept backing up and trying to get closer to that waterway because I didn't want him to, to get around me. And, uh, my buddy Jack, he was filming, he was in the waterway, like on his hands and knees, like peeking up with the camera. So he did a real good job keeping it steady. And, uh, the shot was uh, a little bit quarter two. Uh, last time I ranged him, he was at like 45. So he went, I'd say about four, three or four more yards. He was at about 42 yards is what I, I put the 40 yard pin on him and uh, shot for him a little bit quarter two. And I knew, I knew that if I would hit that shoulder, I was pretty confident I was going to bust through it. A lot of people were like, man, I don't know. Like I saw my guy on TikTok said, uh, I hate to see people shoot deer at quarter two, but I knew, just with uh, the broadhead and, and the poundage and that hopefully that I was going to be able to punch through that. And I was lucky enough to get just behind the shoulder and, and get through that. But I still, for some reason, hit something pretty hard in there to not get all the way through again, because I, uh, in the video, whenever he takes his first three or four steps, uh, the arrow's starting to come back out quite a bit. And he actually, he actually reaches up with his, which I thought was neat. He reached up with his back leg and, and kicked the arrow. It was almost like he was trying to get it out of him. And so I didn't get a ton of penetration, but um, I, I think I did on that deer get one lung and liver as well. But it was hard to tell when we got it. And we were trying to look again on that deer and see where the holes were, but it was uh Something had got a little bit to him underneath, and we couldn't tell if that was an exit hole on the bottom side of him or if that was uh, what something else was eating on him because something ate part of his ear off as well. And I, I don't know if it was a possum or what it was, but it was kind of weird. But the coyotes didn't get to him, so that was a, that was a good thing. Did What gives you the confidence to shoot that quartering two shot? It's one I'll take. I'm weary to take it. I think every bow hunter is weary to take it. I don't think anyone prefers it. Um, but what gives you the confidence? Is it a heavy arrow and a fixed blade broadhead? Or, or I was actually shooting a rage, but it is a, is a heavy, a little heavier arrow, like a 440 grains, I think, is what my arrow weighs. And um, it was... It, I, I don't want to sound... Uh, cocky but i but I, I shoot my bow almost like every single day like that makes I, a difference I'm, though i'm really i'm really anal kind of about shooting my bow i feel like i want to get out there every day just because muscle memory i just feel like if you just do it every single day and you get used to it when you get in the high pressure situations and get nervous and get you know kind of upset and uh and that's when your muscle memory is just going to kick in and uh, you'll be able to perform you know just having just being able to put that put the air where you want it to be uh is something that i think you can only get through muscle memory when you get super excited like that yeah my buddy casey smith says that confidence kills and practicing and being proficient with your equipment gives you i mean having confidence is is deadly when you know you can make that shot because you've seen it in your head you've made it on targets hundreds of times before 
one of the most frustrating things I see is when people pick up their bow three days before season. They're like, "Oh man, I I, I don't know why I missed, or I don't know why I hit." I was like, "Cause you don't you don't shoot your bow. I mean, that's it's yeah. pretty it's fairly simple." And I I know when I put in the reps and I put in the work, when I get in full draw, I just feel deadly. I mean, it's yeah. just like I feel like I I'm gonna do this. Yeah, but at the same time, you're you're right. A quarter two shot is definitely something that you don't want to take uh, normally, but. Uh, it was uh, it was one of those do or die situations, really, with that deer as well, as he was trying to trying to sneak around downwind side of us, and uh, and when you're on the ground like that, and when you get them that close, it's kind of like, well, if you get an opportunity, I'm I'm gonna take that opportunity if I can, and um, I'm I wasn't gonna push my luck and try to get him broadside because I knew he was either gonna smell us or he was gonna figure something wasn't right at that moment, and and he was gonna bolt, so. He gave me an opportunity there, and and I was ready to take it. Yeah, when when uh, you get in a scenario where it's in not ideal conditions, I call that like you're handcuffed. Like the deer is in a place um, that's not ideal, but it's like do or die. You have to take the shot or you risk them walking away. And I hate that scenario, but when it pays off, man, it feels it feels good. Yeah, it definitely does. So you you talked a little bit about hunting out of a saddle are you pretty mobile even though that you're hunting on your own farms yeah so uh my dad actually had a shoulder surgery and he started using a crossbow quite a bit and uh he started using these millennium tree seats and uh they just strap onto the base of the tree and he was talking about and he's he started having like a lot of success with that and getting a lot of opportunities at big bucks and he was crediting that to being able to set up at a different spot each and every time he goes in whether whether the wind direction or what that may be he was able to go in and hunt that deer that he wanted to because he could set up anywhere he wanted to on the ground and so i kind of took that mentality and and went with a saddle and 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 uh, I guess they're hawk helium sticks, tree sticks is what I, is what I like using. They're kind of light. I'd like to, have you seen the tethered one sticks? Those look yeah. awesome, but they're super expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't bit the bullet and bought those yet, but, uh, I use the hawk heliums and then, uh, the tethered, uh, saddle, uh, platform and just being able to switch, uh, switch around on the deer and just set up in different spots and kind of be not in the same tree stand over and over again you know for scent wise and stuff like that i think it's it's been a, a huge help and and getting close and getting opportunities at different deer i agree i think it's when i think of the saddle i more think of people running a gun on, on public land but it's a good point because i think deer get really used to people hunting those legacy stands year after year after year and they almost like train themselves to know hey there's going to be someone right up there this time of year and when you yeah. get that saddle it's like you can ambush them and you can get up quick and quiet too yeah exactly and i and i that's 100 percent the reason that i killed that first eight pointer this year was because of i wasn't sitting in the same tree stands i had been sitting in year after year you know i i was able to find out where he was uh, thanks to trail cameras and then set up on them in a saddle. And then I ended up, I sat on them. I had two places that I put that saddle and I hunted in them in two different spots. And, and that was a hundred percent. The reason that I got a shot opportunity at him was because I was mixing it up. Do you run any variate or any variation of trail cameras? Do you run any cell cams or anything like that? Um, recently last year was the first year that I had started running cell cams. Uh, 
I I like the Browning, the regular Browning Strike Force trail cameras. They've been really reliable for us, and uh, and I I'll use those for years. And then uh, whenever um, Tacticam released that reveal camera, my cousin got them. I tried to get them. I never could get my hands on them, but I think their price point uh, made some of the other uh, competitor companies drop their price. So I was able to get some um, coverts. I was able to get a couple, three coverts uh, at a really good price, and I've been using those. And I, it's a game changer too. I think using cell cameras just because I I put them. I use my other trail cameras on other pieces and other farms uh, that uh that aren't really. Uh, close to home and so i have a food plot that i'm able to be right out back behind my house so instead of going back there all the time checking trail cameras i, I just put three cell cams back there and left them back there that way i didn't have to didn't have to go in there at all and i could run i could look at see what was back there at any time so i think that was a huge help too just being able to stay out of there uh and not bother those deer in times like that and then um, whenever i was hunting the uh typical 12 uh I started running a regular SD car or regular SD trail cameras, but I I would take those cell cams and then I would put them where I thought he would be just so I wouldn't have to go in there a ton. And I, I think that kind of helped too, uh, just keeping my scent out of there and just not bothering them for that time period. Even though I didn't kill him over there, I was still getting more and more pictures of him, I think, than if I would have been going in there, checking them every week and a half, every two weeks. So I'm not a hundred percent sure how that's going to play out. Cause I know didn't the state already ban the cell cams already. I know you, I know, I thought Utah did already. So, I don't know how much of a advantage. I, it's a big advantage and I don't know if it's really a fair advantage, you know, but, uh, it definitely, it, it definitely helped. I liked what you were saying about intrusion, um, for the cell cams. I think that's not only being able to get real time updates, but, not having to go in there and check the trail cams. I get really antsy when I check trail cams. Like we'll check them on public, like every two weeks on places that don't have cell service. And it seems like you can get that big buck on camera one time. And then when he realizes you're coming in there perpetually every two weeks, he's like, okay, the one, one time was a coincidence two times. You're not going to fool me twice. Yeah. And then he just quits using that area altogether in my anecdotal experience. Yeah. It's uh it's uh, definitely a huge, huge uh, gameplay. Uh, I think my cousin was the first one that really got benefit out of it when he started using the. Um, uh, they were uh, what were they? They're the link. The they link together the Cuddy Link. I think. Yeah, those are cool. So the Cuddy Link. So that was really the first taste that my family had got uh, with something like that, not having to go in there, and it linked it to a home base. And he was able to kill one of his biggest eights ever by not going in there. And that and that eight had been in there years before, uh, before he got the Keddy Link uh, the year before. And he every time he got pictures of him, he went in there, checked his cameras, and uh, he's been on a pattern here, here, and here. He goes in there, and he doesn't show up. Uh, the next year, he gets the Cuddy Link system, and uh, he ends up killing him. Uh, he, and I we think it was because he wasn't going in there and checking his trail cameras. He was able to check them just going to the home base and not not going in there so definitely a huge um huge advantage i believe i think so as a big enough advantage where people are starting to ban them in states we wanted to hunt in missouri on public and they were like hey you can't use trail cameras on public in missouri and i was like that's stupid that makes me not want to hunt there 
Uh, it's the same way in Illinois. You can use really? them, but you have to take them down the same day. So, like, you can put them up, but you gotta, you can't leave them overnight. I, I think that's the law. What a waste of time. That's that's a stupid. Just say you can't use them at all if you're gonna be like that. Yeah. I know that you hunt a, a lot of, of private, and it makes sense because you're a farmer and you're around it all the time. Do you have any desire to to hunt any public, or do you guys get to do any of that? I would love to hunt some public. Uh, down on Crab, there's a place, some places down in Crab Orchard down south of, of me, down in Marion, Carbondale area. Uh, I got some buddies that go to school down there, and they've went down there and, and did really well on public. I'd love to go down there and do it. Um, like you said, uh, being a farmer, I've had really good opportunities to hunt uh, private farmers' lands and stuff like that on our own ground. So if I, I just, I usually have a, a decent buck to chase. And so that's kind of, been a little bit of a factor of me just leaving that you know and going and chasing public public bucks but i would definitely like to do that and in the future i'd, I'd like to like you said go to like missouri or somewhere else and 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 try to public land hunt like that and uh i think that would be a lot of fun i, I know it's a totally different ball game than hunting <clears throat> hunting private and uh i would i would definitely like to try to get into doing some of that as well yeah, the cell cams uh, were a blessing and a curse for me this year. We I have a lease down in southwest Oklahoma, but we were hunting public. We have this annual public land trip we do in southeast Oklahoma for a week. We were sitting out there struggling on public, and I was getting the cell cam pics of this 140-inch 11 mature, probably six-and-a-half-year-old deer. Like every day, he was at, he was in daylight every day and they were sending me pictures and I was just sitting over here not seeing any deer on public. And I was like, guys, I know I said I would stay the whole week. I was like, this is really hard right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. For people that want to connect with you or on TikTok, on YouTube, where can, where can they do that? So, uh, I don't have a, a killing it Instagram page or anything like that right now. I'm just going to keep it just myself i have my own personal instagram page so like you message me on uh, instagram i believe right uh yep. it's a good way uh to get in touch with me and uh we have our youtube killing it on youtube and then i started a tiktok which which i'm glad i did because it's gotten me connected with people like you and the whitetail legacy podcast as well those people but i was really super hesitant at first of getting on tiktok is because how soft they were and and i knew if i started posting hunting stuff i figured it would just get banned immediately and yeah and uh it would just be a waste of time but i'm actually glad my my buddy talked me into doing it because i wasn't going to do it he said you should start posting videos because i like to edit and do stuff like that he's like you should start posting some of those videos on tiktok and and if it does get banned it does and i was like yeah i i guess i will and i and i started doing it and it's, it's definitely been a help i it's it's been a a pretty good route to our YouTube channel. Uh, and that's really what I, I started the TikToks for. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's helping with that. So what's the, what is the ats for people that want to follow you or on TikTok or YouTube or. I think it's at Brandon Quant on Instagram. So just my name and, uh, YouTube is it's, I don't understand how YouTube, how it works. Cause on some people, like on my wife's phone, I type in killing it in the search bar and, our profile won't pop up, but may one of our video random video of ours would pop up. So I, I had to type in like killing it and then like bow hunting or killing it deer hunting on YouTube for our profile to actually pop up. But usually if you just type in killing it on YouTube, one of our videos will, 
what should show up in the search feed and then on on TikTok as well uh i have my i if you type in brandon quant or killing it on TikTok, i believe it should it should pop up as well okay cool well i'll link uh to i'll link to all your socials and you, one of your youtube videos as well so people that are listening or watching the podcast can can check it out there too um but like I said, thanks again for for jumping on so late here. Sorry about the technical issues. And yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, it's, it's super fun. I enjoy talking about hunting. You know, it's it's my absolute favorite thing to do. So anytime I get an opportunity to talk to somebody new about hunting, I, I jump at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll stay connected, and we'll do another podcast uh, sometime soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you. All right, take it easy, Brandon. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.